Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to get my favorite line from Batman on my ribs. I've wanted it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go do it. From I... the 89 Batman or from? Yeah, yeah. it's going to, I'm getting, have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. Rib wise, right next okay. to my heart, darling. <laughs> you should consider my favorite line from Batman, but you wait till they get a load of me. <laughs> Definitely thought you were going to say. Maybe you should say, just switch gears and get Justin's favorite line on tattoo. I'm just saying, yes. I, I don't understand yours. the problem. Why don't I split the difference and just get never rub another man's rhubarb? That's a great line. Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode-by-episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am Claire, and I am participating today. Uh, Lisa K. Weber, (laughs) are you you observing or participating? Definitely participating. Excellent. (laughs) Justin Peniston, my friend. Sidelines in the action. I was planning to be an observer, but apparently simply by watching and doing nothing, I am a participant, so. Uh, You are indeed. You have learned the lesson of the day. (laughs) Kelly Sue, I know you're participating. Oh yeah. I I am observing and participating with Gusto. Ah, Gusto, (laughs) chef's kiss. And Philip Kelly, our first time participator. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. Justin cleared my response. So I don't know if I'm participating. I don't know what that makes me, a participator or an observer. You can I, be an accessory. I, I You're an accessory my, to the crime. My statement taken, I guess. It's sort of like a sequel. Yeah. Accessory before the fact. How about that? Exactly. You haven't done anything yet, and you're an accessory. Very anthropological up in here. Yes. And <laughs> that voice you hear is a lovely returning guest who has rejoined us today, Julian Mark Walker. Julian is the co-host of the Conspirituality Podcast, which examines the intersection of far right-wing conspiracy theories, spiritual cults, and wellness culture. In other words, everything I've been, been binge-watching on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> he brings a psychological and philosophical lens to our conversation today, which would probably be desperately needed. Welcome back, Julian. It's great to be back. I just want to say that I I, I feel that I'm still in conscious control of my actions, which, you know, good. is good considering my history. Yeah, yeah, that's, nice. that is something to be um, contemplated for all of us. Man, I just really want to toast everybody right now because we're on it. Mm-hmm. So far, so good. It's yeah. good. Off to a good start here. This does tell me that we all watched like last night. You know, we oh, all- yeah. <laughs> you gotta have it fresh in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, you really do. Well, before we dive into discussion, Justin and Lisa are going to take us through a quick recap of Antipasto. We open in a new season and a new country. Say bonjour to Hannibal dressed as Toby Maguire's Venom and motorbiking through the streets of Paris. He's in a new city, starting a new life. And what better way to do that than to murder the person whose job you want and onboard yourself? He stalks Dr. Roman Fell to a party and on his path to murder meets a British Will Graham lookalike named Dimmit. This dude is way too sassy to abide. So we know his ass or his sass is bound for the saute pan. Anyway, Hannibal murders Fell and eats him in his own kitchen greeting his wife when she she gets home. Bonsoir. (laughs) Next, we are treated to many flashbacks of Hannibal slowly feeding Abel Gideon to himself, a series that illustrates Hannibal's palate, the romance he finds in eating others, and also that he's a total show-off. Abel, accepting death, finds it easy to needle into Hannibal that he'll be on on the menu one day. He also teases him about his crush on Will Graham, and the whole thing felt junior high, but in a murder way. Back to Hannibal's new life in Florence, where he plays Dr. Roman Fell, a curator at a fancy museum, with the role of his wife being played by none other than Bedelia du Maurier, still looking gorgeous and terrified, I might add. Here we get another flashback, it's fine, it's the season opener, of Bedelia chatting with Jack at the FBI, and then another of her returning to her home, why? And discovering Hannibal sexually showering Will's blood off in her bathroom. 
Was she opting into her own Stockholm Syndrome by going back to her home? I think so. Back in Florence, Hannibal runs into British Will again, who thinks he's Mr. Jackoff from Paris, and invites him to dinner, as you do. After another flashback to Hannibal explaining that feeding snails oysters and figs and acorns makes them taste better, we see that these are the exact foods he's giving Bedelia. Not great. And another flashback. This time, Hannibal is helping to clean their mutual patient's death off of Bedelia, both literally and figuratively, and we better understand the debt that she owes him. Her assuming a, a false identity as his wife and helping him murder and eat people seems a little imbalanced, but I've never made a blood pact, so what do I know? Once again, we are in Florence, and this time Hannibal, as Dr. Fell, is giving some uppity lecture about Dante's Inferno, and while he's going on and on about Judas and self-destruction, we see Dimon show up. Uh-oh. Hannibal invites him to take a seat, and Bedelia is like, I'm out of here. Just as she is walking out the front door with a bag packed, Hannibal arrives with Dimond in tow. Well, shit. Hannibal clocks Dimond with a statue, and he, while he crawls across the floor for his life, Hannibal reminds Bedelia that she is both observing and participating. Finally, he snaps Dimond's neck. We end with Hannibal sitting emoly, emoly? on a cross-country train carrying a bag. He meditates on Abel Gideon's comments that he too will be hunted down one day, and he studies Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. He begins folding it origami style. And just when you think he's folding it into a heart for Will, he very literally folds into an actual human heart, which is exactly what he did to poor Dimond, whose body is chopped up and recreated as a human heart back at the museum. Aww. Oh my. <laughs> One detail, it wasn't at the museum, it was at the church. In it was at the chapel. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> Well, I'm not shovel. sure these things Again. look that different in. You know, yeah, I mean, they look I mean, the same. We go to it's Italy, Italy, everything it looks, all the, looks same. the same. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. I write these at 4:30 in the morning. So. <laughs> now, give me a break, y'all. Before we jump into questions, I just want to ask: Did anyone else notice that the body that uh, uh, Bedelia's patient was Zachary Quinto? Yes. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you not know that like originally? Like, were you not like uh, a I, huge? I may have, I don't remember it. Like this, these are the, we are now moving into the territory where I've only seen it upon its initial airing. Oh, right. Mm, so yes. like, this is all relatively fresh for me. Well, that leads us very nicely into our first question because I really do want to focus on the newbie, Phil, right out of the gate. Um, and we'll put Justin in there too, because, you know, this is his first second time his first it's my first visit yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um his first reflection on season three um so in a move that i can only imagine frustrated the hell out of you know the original scheduled non-binging audiences um because it still stresses me out we don't even get a hint of will or alana or jack or abigail and are they alive are they not alive we start off the season in Europe with Hannibal. Um, and I'm curious to see what our newbies, um, what your experience was, <laughs> Philip, of this first oh. episode, because I received a text. We all received a text going, okay, here we go. We're going to find out what happened. <laughs> yeah, like, that was me. Fuck with yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually glad we didn't get the answer right away. I'm, I was very happy with how this proceeded, sort of sidestepping all of that. Uh, I, I even covered up the titles at the beginning. So I, I couldn't see who was in each episode because yes. I didn't want it to be spoiled. You know what I mean? Uh, but the clever thing is they have uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's name in the first credits because he makes a, an appearance in a flashback, uh, which I think is kind of clever. Well, but um, his name is always in the main credits. He's a uh, part of the main cast. Like, yeah, but I don't know if he's alive or dead or not. I know. They I never take their names out, even if they're not in the episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm covering up the credits, I guess. Because uh, I, if, if somebody's been written off the show because they're dead, I can't imagine they're in the credits anymore. Right. But, I will say but also, now, I don't know. If it just, something I note, whenever there's a surprise character in the, cre in the, in the episode, mm -hmm. they, their name doesn't appear until the closing credits. Yes, I noticed that mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They understand how they're torturing us, I think. Very much so. Um, this episode is called Antipasto, which is the beginning of a meal. 
But we spend a lot of time, as Kelly Sue noted very diligently in the summary, uh, reflecting on previous meals, basically, in flashbacks. Um, so my main question about this episode, since it seems to be so heavily centered on reflection and rumination, I'm curious to know what we all think about what Hannibal is, what he's scrutinizing, what, what's top, I don't, not that we have to really <laughs> answer who's at the top of his mind, right? But what, <laughs> what is he working through at this point? And Lisa, I think I will turn to you first. Oh, um, because all right. <laughs> um, so I watched this episode twice. Um, I watched it like right after our last conversation. And then again, last night to kind of refresh my memory. And I remember like the first, like when I first rewatched it, maybe like a week ago, I was like, oh my God, there is so much happening in this episode. Um, I was like, that's why I had to watch it twice. Cause I was like, I can't take notes on this watch. I'll take my notes on the next watch. Um, because I was just writing the entire time, like writing stuff down. And one of the details, I mean, it's such a tiny little detail, but something that I noticed um, when Hannibal kills Dimond, he uses a bust of Aristotle. And I, I just kind of like Aristotle is like a lot about logic and a lot about like, you know, rationalism. And um, I, I was just kind of like thinking about that as like part of the theme of like what's going on with Hannibal at this point in his life where, you know, he's heartbroken. He's just, he still is carrying around all of these feelings of betrayal. And I think he's almost like, I, it feels like he's trying to like rationalize his way out of these feelings, but in the end, he just he can't like, and he needs to, he needs to express how Will made him feel in the form of just tearing this person apart and turning it into his heart. So, wow. And that's just one aspect of what's yeah. going on. I mean, yeah, like just... seriously, two seconds on screen. Yeah. I, I would have never identified that bust like i amazing lisa <laughs> we're like oh look aristotle bloody yay yeah i definitely felt outnerded when lisa just said aristotle's name i was like wow yeah. okay <laughs> yeah it's a rare thing Love but it. we do it every once in a while <laughs> oh my goodness um julian yeah yay <laughs> how's hannibal doing <laughs> you know this is fascinating i i, I Hannibal really just like all of us he wants the same thing we all want he wants a family he wants to be seen he wants to be accepted he wants to be loved but of course it's Hannibal so it's complicated to say the least I think that what what I got in in as as the episode as we got into this period where we're going back and forth between the scenes with Abel Gideon that are black and white and that are ultimately very unsatisfying for Hannibal because Gideon is just needling him. In a way, here are the two killers. Here are the two real kind of, they're really a good match for one another in terms of what they have in common. But Gideon is, as he's eating himself and has lost everything, manages to maintain his kind of steely fuck you attitude. We go back and forth between that and the scenes in Europe that are sumptuous, that are gorgeous, uh, where Bedelia is decked out in incredible outfits, where there's these incredible shots of architecture and, you know, everything that is just so rich in terms of that world. And I feel like we're seeing Hannibal, we're seeing how complicated it is to be in Hannibal's world and to get to see him and to get to, to, to know what he really is. And the only way that you get to do that is by accepting his complete power over you and the fact that he can kill you at any moment. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I feel like this, this episode is so much about identity and relationship and intimacy, but through this, of course, incredibly fucked up lens. Mm -hmm. Kelly Sue. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, I watched it. Uh, I watched this episode last week and then again last night, or actually kind of this morning, which was nighttime for most regular people. <laughs> um, I was watching it and was like, this is, this is Hannibal's version of, I just got my heart broken and I'm going to go be somebody else. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like we go through breakups. Myself. I'm reinventing yeah. myself. I'm except I'm haircut. doing it. I'm doing it in the Hannibal way, which is like, I'm actually going to go be somebody else. <laughs> um, but he go, you know, he, he talks at the end of season two, he talks about his love for Palermo and he's going to a place that makes him feel comforted. And he even says at the top of this episode that he's finding a peace he hasn't felt in a long time. And even Bedelia remarks on it when she says, you really haven't killed anybody in a while. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because he's really kind of like, I wanna, there's gotta be a part of him at this point that now associates killing with Will. Uh-huh. Those are inextricably linked now. And we don't really get to see his first, the murder that he, the murder that is the most like the Chesapeake Ripper murder until the end of this episode, which I think, you know, we don't even have to be speaking about the next episode to know that this was a smoke signal to Will, right? Um, So I think it's interesting to see him kind of be like, oh, I'm gonna go pretend to be a normie (laughs) with my, my wife (laughs) and we're just going to cook dinner for these really intelligent you know jagweeds or whatever um and i get to continue to be the smartest guy in the room and that's going to make me feel better about what just happened to me but also everything that that lisa and julian have said which is like we also know he's just not really doing great (laughs) you know um, those are my highly intellectual thoughts. Those the, were, yes, delightfully <laughs> intellectually. Um, Justin. So, Hannibal in this episode struck me as a man in extremely composed and well put together denial. You know, that he, um, you know, like Lisa said, he he basically cut his hair. He's, he's like, I'm reinventing myself in the in the wake of a bad situation. And, you know, it's fascinating that his version of a normie is to become like, you know, the starring character in art history nerd offs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he's, you know, that that's 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 blending into normal society for him, you know. Uh <laughs> um and I think that it's Dimon, who cracked me up, by the way. I thought he was fantastic. I so good Dimon. Um, <laughs> but he was this really he was this really interesting blend, I thought, of you know, Will, because he, you know, he physically resembles Will in, in in a way, but he had that snark, that knowing devil may care snark that mm-hmm. we were also getting from Abel Gideon in the flashbacks, you know? Yeah. Like a man who's doesn't think he has anything to lose, you know? The whole, is it that kind of party? Oh my God, Hannibal's face in when (laughs) Dimond asked if it's that kind of party. Hannibal's reaction is absolute perfection. It's perfect. Well, because it's that, it's that sort of amused, like what the fuck just happened? You know? (laughs) Amused, but also like he looks to Bedelia like, is it? And he's like, he's like yeah, he's so like, subtle oh. and yeah. so perfectly done. He's like, you tell me, girl. Like, yeah. Can he's you imagine like, what she's thinking too? She's like, yeah, I sort of wanted to be, but no, that could end very badly. Like, I could, I might never have sex again if this happens. Well, and, and, and Hannibal's like, all my double entendres are about cannibalism. Who, who brought up sex? Like, oh, hello. <laughs> he's well, like, and oh, it you're was thinking Bedelia. that. It, it wasn't was Bedelia. Who Bedelia. Brought up sex. Oh, it, yeah. It, you know, she's like. He wants me to taste a certain way. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's you know, right. which is that's her right, way. Yeah. I've got to distract from the fact that he's fattening me up right now. Uh, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, uh, oh, man. Um, but I think that, you know, he's able to exist in this place of denial happily right up until mm-hmm. Dimond resurfaces. And then all of a sudden he's getting the Will Gramness of it all kind of rubbed in his face again. 
and he's like, God bless America. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's just, and I think the thing about Hannibal is even when he's rattled or thrown off his game, when he's emotionally compromised, with the exception of the, of, you know, the season two finale, he's still super composed and super calculating. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I know what I'm going to do. And he uses this to further torment and control Bedelia. You know, I mean, he basically is like, okay, Bedelia, you know, um, you are running out and now you are going to have, you know, this rubbed in your face in a very psychologically controlling way. Mm-hmm. You know, as I point out to you that you cannot be just an observer. You know, if you don't do something about this, you are a participant. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Mm. Yep. Um, Philip, I'm coming back to you just for your additional thoughts about the Hannibal of season three. I, I don't know what else to add. That everybody just kind of like hit every nail into this coffin. Um, you know, motorcycles <laughs> definitely like a midlife crisis move. So uh, heartbreak Thank midlife you. crisis. It is, you know, if yeah. you're going through yeah. shit and you're a middle-aged man, you get a motorcycle so you can feel young again <laughs> and unaffected. <laughs> you can feel unaffected and be like, yeah, I still got it all. Look at me. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, oh. that's, that's what that means. Um, I just, I, look, I just looked like five people were about to say something. So I stopped. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Kelly Seuss, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have much more to add beyond that. I mean, uh, Justin hit the other thing on the head. I was going to mention maybe was that you know you keep Adelia around so you can be like, uh, you know, here's my new little toy. I feel like shit, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make her feel like shit too all the time, and it's just kind of that reflection and that you know uh, onto that, which is awful because Hannibal's awful. Well, I did think at the end of last season when we see her leaving with him to go mm-hmm. to Paris, I thought she is you know, like, you know, a Diet Coke version of Will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think when she is trying to leave, because Hannibal gets really bitchy with her really fast (laughs) sees that she's trying to leave. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think that also brings up echoes of Will was trying to fuck me at the end of the last season. And I'm not cool with that. And now it feels like you're trying to fuck me and I'm not cool with that again. Right. Because he wasn't. I mean, he was classic Coke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You think you're going to betray me? Right. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Dimon might have made it out of this if uh, Bedelia hadn't made a move to leave. I mean, you think about Dimon just being a punishment for being Dimon. But I mean, this is also directed at Bedelia, you know, this this murder. I mean, I otherwise he wouldn't dig into her like he does in that moment. I mean, this is. I think I feel like it's there's a double thing going on with Dimond. Um, I do feel like Dimond was dead regardless because yeah. they don't get into details, but it felt to me like Dimond was basically saying, "I'm gonna kind of sort of blackmail you here." Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. There was a little bit of that. Yeah, right. Just a little bit of that. Well, there's there's there's, there's two really fascinating things here with regard to this topic, which is the one amazing line from Hannibal out out of all of the many, is there is no morality, only morale. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he yeah, basically says, yeah. There, yeah. There, it's not that I've discovered morality that I've stopped killing. I, you've hardly killed anyone since we've been here. Right. It's more that mm-hmm. I'm in a good mood. And so that can shift at any moment because as I come out of my sort of uh, grandiose denial about how heartbroken I am. Uh, and the other thing is that uh, Dimond, in the moment when they're walking through the, uh, the display of all of the torture implements, uh, says to him that he says, well, maybe I can help untwist you. And that's a moment of him actually acting almost, presumptuously almost as, a, as if to say, well, I could sort of be a bit of a therapist to you, right? I can help you get untwisted. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting too, because of course he's not going to, uh, he's going to live, to, he's going to die to regret that presumptuous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Die to regret it. Oh, mm-hmm. so much of that so happens real. in this <laughs> series. It's amazing. Well, we all kind of, declared my next point that I was going to go to, but I do want to go back to the moment with Hannibal in the shower, not just for the <laughs> obvious reason, but, but also like coming out of the shower in the conversation he has with Bedelia in which she's pointing a gun at him. So out of all of the moments in the show where I feel like she's making a decision, 
purposely making a decision and we'll come back to Bedelia a little bit more, but I I'm really fascinated by Hannibal's own admission that he's taken off the person suit. And Mm -hmm. for me, that represents this, just like, you know, this thing has happened to me. I am free. I am washing that man out of my hair and (laughs) I don't even need a tub of ice cream. And (laughs) how much, how much do you think that is legit? Do you think, because Hannibal is so astute. Do you think he's as astute about his own internal workings? We've, we've touched on it already in the discussion somewhat, but I want to know in this moment, does he, does he really feel like he's achieved a, you know, I'm thinking back to the, the final, one of the final visuals we get in the last episode of season two, when he walks out of the house and you, you see this, exultant expression on his face it with the rain you know it's it's that it's in a if it were a rom-com he'd be running out in the rain to kiss his beloved right like you, they'd sure. be coming together but instead we have Hannibal by himself in the rain um so yeah I'm, I'm again trying to take the temperature of you know Hannibal's uh somethingness but Julian actually had a really interesting insight about this offline about the final moments of season two. Um, I don't know if you want to drop that here, Julian, but (laughs) it blew my mind when he was telling me about it. Well, it's, it's uh, some of it, of course, is just my own, my own sort of uh, predilections and, and some, which some of you I'm sure will share, which is that there's something about that final scene in the rain that to me is it's Roy Batty. It's Roy Batty, uh, time yeah. to die. Yeah. And it's, it's all, all of, all of this will, all of these things that I've seen, I've seen things you people can't imagine all of these things, or you, you people wouldn't believe they will disappear like te- tears in the rain. And I feel like so much of that last episode of season two is about him deconstructing an identity and a set of experiences and relationships and it's mm-hmm. all changing. Right. And so there he is putting on his jacket, walking out into the rain, like, ah, oh, time to die. But for him, it means something very, very different time to be resurrected in my grandiose power. And when he's in the shower and then he's coming out and talking to Bedelia, I don't, I don't think he has the kind of self-awareness of, of how he's covering up his own suffering. I think, I think as, a, as a character, everything about him is this massive, massive overcompensation of mm. for, covering over the, the, the worst trauma you can ever imagine. And everything in his life is structured around that. So I, I don't think in his heart of hearts, he's like able to acknowledge you know, the depth of how heartbroken he is. Just my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I, um, first off, Thank you so much for bringing Roy Batty into Mm -hmm. the conversation because I totally thought the same thing. Like I, it's just this little blip, but it's like so hard to like have a really emotional scene like that in the rain Mm -hmm. and not think about, you know, the tears in the rain Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So thank you for dropping that because that's, that's just ping, 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 ping. Um, (laughs) um, And yeah, as far as like, the the question Claire about like how over will Hannibal could possibly be at the shower scene no I mean (laughs) the thing is it's like and the thing is this is true of all people who have ever like had their heart broken it is a long process to get over it you never really do it's always in there and so it's um but you know you have you have good days you have good moments, you have like your epiphanies around it, but it's still like, it's still something that's in there every day and some aspect of it that you haven't thought of will come up and just grab you unexpectedly. And um, so sure, he can be all like, yeah, I, I took the shower. I took off my person suit. I let them see me. And by the way, I love that he's naked while having this conversation about taking off his person suit and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so he's, and like Julian was just saying, it's total overcompensation. Like he's Mm -hmm. absolutely masking what he's, he's masking his heartbreak because he's with Bedelia now. He's not able to be himself 
not with Bedelia. Mm -hmm. I mean, like he's still putting on just a, maybe a different suit for her. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, and then, you know, when, when Dimon shows up and yeah, Will Graham, British Will Graham lookalike, of course, that's going to like stir up all of this shit for Hannibal. Mm -hmm. and Hannibal does rebound relationships. Just yeah. the most delightful. Well, I mean, he does the most classic move, which is like, I just got my heart broken, so I'm gonna go back to my ex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then be like, I'm totally make this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so say speaking of cannibal on the motorcycle, I just have to <laughs> say this. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor the Toby Maguire-ness of it, but I will say this. When he puts his helmet on, when he's getting ready to fall, you know, after he does the whole bonsoir moment with uh, Dr. original Dr. Fell, there you go, the yeah. real one. He puts the helmet on and I'm like, oh man, what if Cannibal Lecter was one of Daft Punk? <laughs> I could, we must know. <laughs> it's gotta be wow. it's something it's something wow. there's something there there's something there that is like serial killer is one of the members of Daft Punk amazing and he keeps getting away with murders but he's also very famous electro music DJ he's in the mood to get lucky he is in the mood to get lucky that is a, that would be an amazing soundtrack over that entire like <laughs> opening sequence of him driving into town Florida. would be amazing this entire episode so anyway i'm sorry it has nothing to do with what we're talking about but i just had to share it <laughs> and yet somehow everything to do with what we're talking about justin um opinions on daft punk please um <laughs> well I'm, I'm going to uh I can't improve on Hannibal being a member of Daft Punk. So I'm simply going to accept that as part of my personal headcanon and move on. Uh, or back to the uh, back to the to Hannibal's uh, delusion, you know, that he's getting over things and he's moving on fast, you know. Um, and there was, you know, in that moment at the end of season two, I did not make the Roy Battery connection, which is sad because, you know, I watch Blade Runner every 20 minutes, but um, <laughs> uh, I um, I definitely saw it as a very cleansing, you know, he's like going out into this cleansing rain and washing it all. I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair, you know, mm -hmm. and, and sort of continues that into the shower at Bedelia's. And I don't think Hannibal has any reason to expect Bedelia to be there. I think it's very much a, this is a safe place for me to uh -huh. begin moving on. And I think Bedelia hmm. being there is a surprise to him. And it's also the first thing that says, oh, I'm not over this at all. Because she immediately starts asking probing questions mm -hmm. about Will Graham. And he's clearly resentful of those questions. And his mood gets, is on like a downward uh, spiral. Yeah throughout that whole scene you know and he's like why are you asking me these questions i thought you weren't my therapist will was not a good suitable substitute for therapy i hate you you're a bitch you know like he just straight yeah. up you know <laughs> was not you know and, and i feel like that scene is sort of the evidence that he's deluding himself you know that mm. he's not over will even though he wants to be and even though they set up the impression that he would be at the end of the final season or the previous season rather yeah. I, um, I want to just, I'm not poking at your, your interpretation of that scene, but I'm, uh, there is one, there's a part of that scene that I've always interpreted a different way in terms of whether Hannibal knew Bedelia would, or ex expected her to come back to her place. Because when she walks in initially, isn't there a perfume bottle or something left on the chair that seems very like she picks it up like oh this has been left here for me to see so that i know he's here. i thought that was the perfume bottle yeah. that she left yeah, yeah. that he just left. Hannibal picked up yeah. when course, he went to right. kill her yeah before and yeah. i thought mm -hmm. that she looked at it in a sort of 
Aren't I? I was a sassy badass. Gotcha. <laughs> yes. she, she looked at yeah. that, you know. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Just one little point. Anyway, um, Philip, I think we're coming around to you again. Any any last thoughts on a wet Mads Mickelson? I mean, he looks good. Uh, you know. Um, I, you know, statement of our lives. You all for real. <laughs> I mean, everybody feels that. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Everybody feels that moment of empowerment when you leave somebody that's it's not working out with. I mean, you're like, I'm done with you, and you walk away, and you feel empowered, and then you feel like shit for like eight months. Like, because you have to excise all of that. You have to deal with that and reflect on it. And, you know, it's, uh, that's a very human thing for Hannibal to be going through. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's something you don't get over right away. So I, I think he is, I don't want to say Hannibal is emotionally, he lacks some emotional intelligence, I think, as a human. Uh, I mean, he, the way he takes out his issues is that he kills people. You know, oh, you're going to get sassy with me, judge. I'm going to put your brain in a goddamn like, you know, uh, balancing thing. You know, okay. I mean, there's like some emotion. There's like a lack of some kind of emotional intelligence going on there, I think. Uh, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of other words for it other than emotional intelligence. But um, yeah, it, it does take a while. So I'm I um, I this is the most uh, empathetic I've felt for. Uh, Hannibal so far did I say Hamilton at any point I feel like I might have you did not, not. no okay, okay good but, oh I, are you serious Justin that. would have pounced yeah on I know that. oh my god that, yeah. that's, yeah. The, <laughs> that's the only thing that kept me from thinking that maybe I had Justin's in... like I resemble that remark <laughs> I beg <Exactly>. your pardon <laughs> moi do you think you could have fucked up even once without me mentioning it I would I would very much like to embrace my nerdy specific you know, minutia identity right now <laughs> and point out in connection to the current topic that Hannibal was not supposed to originally, was originally not planned to be the only person getting out of a shower. They were also going to have Bedelia showering off the aftermath of her fight with her patient. But instead, uh, because Jillian hmm. Anderson literally said, you know, I could ask to do a lot of shower scenes. Can we not do that? And Mark. so they changed it to the hand washing scene. Nice. In the like mirror, that. which I thought was super I, effective. Oh, so very good. intimate. Yeah, really, yeah. Like, I like that really, too. Yeah. Like yes. it, it really hit me. Um, well, it also kind of echoed um, back to when um, Will yes. killed Randall Tear, and there was that really intimate hand washing mm -hmm. scene between Hannibal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and mm. so it kind of like echoed that as well. So yeah. I'm telling you Love guys, we're just like, we're one step away from the hair washing scene and out of Africa. So <laughs> when that happens, there's not letting this one go. <laughs> and I, I also would like to say the best that of all the eighties movies you could have seen, you've seen out of Africa. I've seen out of Africa so many times. So you many times. Slip in the Goonies there one of those times. I'm just no, saying. it's very different. Um, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, uh, and but Gillian Anderson actually had a big effect on the, no. the script of this episode. Because um, she also changed the uh, the the scene where they killed Dimond. He was supposed to be killed in the, in the act break. In the what? In the act break. He was supposed to be killed during the commercial. He wasn't supposed to be killed on screen. Oh. oh. But Gillian um, Anderson suggested that Hannibal bludgeoned him to death with something off the desk. I don't know if she suggested literally Aristotle, but and and use Aristotle, they, not Beethoven, please. The, the whole blocking of that scene with Dimon crawling between the two of them as they talk about observing versus participating, that was all come up with on set. Cool. Excellent. Cool. Very cool. That's awesome. That is cool. All right. That's well, awesome we yes, we we have covered the minutiae. We're gonna Bill, you're take... wrong. <laughs> we've corrected phil for no reason whatsoever we've done with all the minutiae so we're going to take a break uh stick with us we're going to come back and we have an exquisite corpse coming which this one i think is going to be very uh heartfelt <laughs> anyway. oh. Oh. Hey, you, if you want to get a bit, convince me, you didn't come up with that on set. You scripted that. That was nope. in the script. Didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't oh, even going to bring it up. Uh, we'll be back right after this. 
Well, if you like this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And stay tuned for news about our other series, That Episode Was, in which we have recently watched and discussed Why the Last Man and just finished the final season of The Expanse. Where will we go next? Follow us at Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms and sign up for our newsletter at popsiclepod.com for the latest Popsicle news. That's P O P S K L P O D. All right, we're <laughs> we are back. And before we get to our exquisite corpse, I want to come back to Bedelia because I feel like this episode kept coming back to Bedelia over and over and over again. Abel Gideon as well. And, and to some degree, I think this episode was making the point that Bedelia and Abel are not so far off from each other in terms of their circumstances. Um, there, you know, Abel was very literally under Hannibal's control, a captive. And I want to look at the degree to which we think Bedelia is a captive or not, because some, I think very interesting things happen in this episode, even before she decides to leave pack her bag and literally, you know, head out the door. She's seems to be doing things that um, are intended to bring herself to the attention of authorities. She's returning to the state, the same store and buying the same ingredients over and over. She's sitting in a train station with, you know, the Italian version of the CCTV, or if I can't remember if she's in Paris at that point. Paris and Italy, they're she's kind of the Italy. same. Yeah, I think Italy, she's in yeah. Italy at that point. She's still um, in Florence, yeah. We'll take care of that, Manoush. I don't want Justin to. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you know, very pointedly making her face available for the cameras to see uh, how. But at the same time, I compare that always to like the, the look of relaxed pleasure that seemed to be on her face on the plane as she's, you know, sit, seated next to Hannibal. I think there's mm -hmm. this just really complex dichotomy happening with Bedelia where she does not want to be there, but wants to be there in kind of equal measures and that i mean we've already talked about the are you observing are you participating and of course you know she she has that great uh response to hannibal when he asks how she is she responds not with like i'm feeling a certain way or not but basically contemplating on how control how in control of herself she is um so yeah, in control, not control. What percentages would you get? Like 60, 40, 70, 30? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, Philip, I'm going to swing to you first. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like she came into this situation thinking, all right, now that he's got that out of his system, maybe he's going to change a little bit. I think that's how uh, people that have been abused see relationships all the time when somebody finds their way back into their lives. Oh, you know, maybe they'll be a little different this time. And I, I you know, it, we had another guest on, uh, Sarah, uh, who talked about her infatuation with him, like, or, well, not, not her infatuation, but um, uh, uh, what's her name? The one who could still be dead, got Alana. pushed from Alana's. Alana's infatuation. But, you know, he represents all of these things to someone like Alana. I think he does for Bedelia as well. Like there's a fluency, there's, you know, money, which comes from who knows where there's intelligence, things like that. I mean, I think all those things are attractive to somebody like Bedelia. And, you know, maybe if he's excised this part of himself through Will Graham, maybe he'll not be terrible to me anymore. And obviously she finds pretty quickly that <laughs> that's not the case. Uh, uh, I mean, she's terrified every second of her life 
um she looks good being terrified you know they put her in some nice suits and everything in fact i have to say really quick this is probably the most sumptuously filmed episode from the very first shots of the uh coming out of the motorcycle to the moon and all that kind of stuff very mm. david lynch or igmar bergman you know very european kind of feel to the filmmaking yeah now, i noted which I that love. like all the kind of like the the combustion engine mm -hmm. And like that kind of opening sequence with yeah. the engine, and then it's like Mulholland Drive. I, yeah, it was if, like, if I remember, wow. like kind of mm. like Mulholland Drive sequence almost. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, but uh, back to Bedelia, yeah. I mean, I think she is like, yeah, she misjudged the situation completely, um, and now she finds herself back in the same situation, you know, repeating mistakes that she made previously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think she has a predilection for wanting to be abused. I just think once you find yourself in that situation, it's easier to um, maybe go back to it because you're used to it. I, I feel like people find themselves in the same situations because they're used to that. It's familiar and it's hard to break that familiarity. Um, I, I know it has been for me in the past. So maybe I'm speaking from experience that, you know, you find yourself in the same sort of situation just because your mind reacts to it in a certain way. Um, it, it feels of something, you know, already those, and then you find yourself back in the same situation. You're like, Oh shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I'm back in it again. How did this happen? Well, I told like, myself it would never happen again. And you know, Bedelia yeah. is like, is like almost literally frozen. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. she is, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you had mentioned, uh, Phil, um, at the end of season two, like that, she looked like a doll porcelain doll. And in yeah. this episode, I, um, I was like, she's, she's like a mannequin, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, she, she hardly moves. She speaks so slowly mm -hmm. and every word is like so carefully chosen and carefully delivered because she doesn't want to like wake the dragon, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, she's, I mean, she's definitely like in an abusive relationship right now. There's no question about that. And she <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, she's, so she's behaving this way to like, try and keep herself safe from like the focus of this beast and um there is and certainly like her the ending scene of season two where she's on the plane with him um i think that that still holds i think that she's terrified like she may be putting on a face but that's what she does i mean like yeah. she she is definitely in her own person suit. She always has been. This is why I find every time I watch this show, I find Bedelia's character to be the most inscrutable. Like I cannot, I do not know who she is. Like, I don't know where she comes from. I don't know what her trauma is. She clearly has it. Mm. Um, but it's like, I can't even, I, it's like, and so I don't know what her motivations are. When she came into her house and saw Hannibal, in the shower why did she stay she poured herself a drink yeah and why grabbed a she gun. Get the hell out yeah you know? and, and so gun. it's like all this kind of stuff and it's like she clearly has her own money and everything i don't think that it's i don't think it's necessarily an attraction <laughs> to hannibal and like i don't think it's an attraction the way alana was attracted to him sure it's a different kind. There's clearly some, something's compelling her towards him, but I, I can never say what it is. I just, I would can it, never would say it be curiosity? Is. Cause she, in fact, uh, when Hannibal asked her if she was curious, mm -hmm. you think it's curiosity? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I mean, like he's, he, she, like Kelly Sue pointed out earlier, she is kind of like his ex, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, there's something, there's some connection between them, something that he had clearly been fostering in her before Will came along um that you know she she started on this path so yeah there there could definitely be a curiosity in mm. her as well like how far down this path can i go um so anyway crazy did she know hannibal was there before she poured the drink <laughs> yeah yeah she knew she, she walked in the she, house because she could hear the shower going. She knew it was him. When he comes out of the shower, she's there with her drink and her gun sitting on her bed like no big deal. Because I, yeah. I definitely, like, everything she does to me, I mean, it, largely in agreement with what you're saying, Lisa. Uh, 
and mostly in agreement with what you're saying, Philip, is that she's utterly terrified. Mm-hmm. And when she's kind of, you know, she kind of goes tharn whenever she's around Hannibal. And if anyone's read Water Ship Down, that means, you know, frozen in the headlights. Oh, yeah. And deer, yeah. Know, yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Rabbit reference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because she, I don't think she would have gone there if she had known he was there. I think she, I mean, it's important to remember that she was dragged back onto the show by the FBI. She didn't like, she did yeah. not return of her own volition. Right. Um, and I think as soon as she gets anywhere near Hannibal's gravitational pull, mm. she immediately falls into her old habits, you know, and somehow she found a, a way to escape, you know, in season two, but I don't think that's something she can muster the strength for a second time. You know, um, as to what motivates her, I've always, you know, whenever I think about her, I think this is a person, you know, because I, whenever I approach character as a writer, you know, the first question I ask myself is, what does this character want? You know, what are their goals? And for her, the only thing I can see that she wants is not to die. Mm -hmm. She wants to survive. You know, um, and everything else kind of feels like an offshoot of that. And she, will do whatever she can. And she, you know, I, I, I said before, she was like a sort of a proto Will Graham in her way, you know, and when Will, and when Hamill can't have Will, he goes back to her, you know, and I think the same, you know, and I think with the flashbacks to Abel Gideon kind of say he is also in his way a proto Will Graham. Um, and I think she is closer to Will than Abel, which is why she doesn't get you know, turn into entrees, you know, over the course of her relationship. Um, and like Will Graham, she also plays both ends against the middle, you know, and I think that she, that's why she's, you know, establishing patterns that can be detected and staring dead on into security cameras, you know. I wonder if all of these characters, Will and Bedelia, not able so much, but but maybe to a certain degree, aren't in that place in an abusive relationship where they they still think there's a point at which they can pass in terms of ex- being accepted by their abuser, that they would be safe, that they would be accepted. I I I think I feel in Bedelia this very like heady longing to be accepted to that degree. I almost feel like in that bedroom scene with the gun and um, her drink that she's, it feels like that like, you know, romantic confrontation scene a little bit where she's finding out whether or not Hannibal is going with Will and, oh, okay, so you're not going with Will. So have I, have I won you? at this point, like have, how are you going to accept me? And will I be able to feel the degree of acceptance from this, from someone that you, I mean, you can't help but be around Hannibal and identify the extreme level of intelligence and, and charm and, you know, all of these other things. Um, I don't know. I, I feel echoes of that, I guess. Julian. Yeah, I'd love to jump in here. I, 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 I love the things that you mentioned about her going to the same you know, store to buy the delicacies and, and sitting in front of the CCTV. There's also another incredible moment you didn't mention where she's walking with that incredible hat in that blue outfit. The blue outfit, And yeah. she gives, she basically gives a hat tip to a police officer who's walking towards her, who's kind yep. of like a Keystone yep. cop sort of comedic, you know, almost like <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen playing a cop or something, like sick European ineffectual police officer who clearly would not have a gun or something like that. So like that, that <laughs> not, not that I'm uh, pro-gun or anything like that. But uh, uh, so there's that, there's, um, I don't know what to make of Bedelia, but I do know that with Bedelia, with Abigail Hobbs, with Will, 
In all cases, the way that Hannibal gains complete and utter power over them is by convincing them that they are like him in the, in, in the sense that they have killed somebody. He convinces them that they, they have crossed this threshold now into the domain where he is the absolute master and they are completely disoriented mm -hmm. and he is deconstructing their identity with the, with the key. That is the skeleton key is you have killed somebody and now I've got you where I want you. And so I don't think we can ever forget that he has that over her and that through the course of this therapeutic relationship, which was non-consensual on her end past a certain point, <laughs> he has held that over her and he has gotten inside of her mind. And I, the conversation uh, outside the shower, um, you know, I, I'm, I lack the appropriate skills to continue our therapy. And then I, I, I didn't provide you a suitable substitute for therapy. Then she asked him, is Will Graham still alive? And then he says, mm -hmm. Will Graham was not a suitable substitute for therapy. And then he asks her, is this professional curiosity? Because you've got no right to ask me these questions given that you ended our therapy, right? So there's all this back and forth. Like, is this a personal relationship? Is this a therapeutic mm -hmm. relationship? Who's substituting for who? Like it's all contained in that exchange and none of it is resolved. I, I'm not sure entirely what to make of why she's still there. I think a little bit of what, each of us has said probably all adds up to a, you know, yeah. a passable explanation, but ultimately she is a mystery. Do you ever settle any, with any conclusion, Kelly Sue, about Bedelia? Um, other than her hair's fabulous. I don't. <laughs> other than her fabulous hair and the fact that it is Jillian Anderson, who is a bombshell, no matter what. Um, but this, on this rewatch, it was the very first time that I, saw a version of Bedelia that was almost um, luxuriating in her captivity. There was something about her that seemed like she was enjoying these exchanges with this person sitting at the table that she's like, this is your last meal. You're gonna die at the hands of my husband. Mm -hmm. um, and enjoying it. And I think that they've become, you know, this show is called Murder Husbands, but they have become denial spouses. <laughs> they each are. Yes. <laughs> Hannibal oh. and Bedelia both are in denial in their in their own ways. You know, she's clearly denying the fact that, you know, at any minute. Or maybe not in denial of the fact that she's going to die at the hands of Hannibal, but I think she's in denial of the fact of just how dire her situation is. Um, because you have to be when you're in a trauma situation that is as uh, nuanced as the one that she's in. Um, but yes, I agree with what everybody has said so far. I... Don't think I've missed anyone. Final words on Bedelia. I think we're good. So it's time for our regular segment um, at the end of these episodes, The Exquisite Corpse. And I'm going to hand it over to Kelly Sue. Whoops. Don't break my heart. <laughs> on my pun grounds by the way in this episode i have been inspired by you i have just been inspired nice there you go she's she's bringing her own clearing to the pun game you know? <laughs> oh my god it's so good okay so this exquisite corpse um it's so interesting because the this this particular corpse plays such a huge role in the next episode but given what we have so far in this episode, some of the things that I was exploring as I was preparing for this exquisite corpse in particular was first, of course, the sacred heart symbolism, right? We've got an actual human heart inside of a chapel. You know, the sacred heart is a Roman symbol. Um, and it, you know, in essence, it's talking about Christ's love for mankind, which is unconditional and is expressed through his sacrifice. Um, there's so much in that one symbol about, um, you know, a knife going through the heart and the knife having a crown and it being this sort of grand 
the grandest possible gesture, right? And I was also talking about before how Hannibal now has his love for Will Graham linked with killing. And when he murders Dimmons, it's the the first murder of that kind. Like, yes, he murdered, he murdered Fell because he had to. He wanted that job. But this is the first murder that we see that's like, this is my pain now that we're dealing with. I'm murdering from my pain that I feel. And maybe this is the first time that he's kind of, I don't know why I wanna say <laughs> dipped his pen in that ink, but that's what I'm gonna say because he's painting with a broad brush. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, pain it's pretty broad. the best art. It just does. It yeah. just does. It just mm -hmm. does. And I was also really wanting to look into all of these different neurological links between pain and between love. And I found this incredible study that basically says that the feelings of pain passionate, deep love, like the love that Hannibal has for Will can actually pick up where pain leaves off. Mm. So while these doctors are not saying to people who are dealing with chronic pain, like go dive into a passionate love affair, but that that type of love is actually a chemical antidote for the part of your brain that's feeling pain. So merging these things his undying, beautiful, passionate, Shakespearean love for Will. And then also this first chance he has to express it by doing the one thing now that he loves so much that is associated with this passionate love and then shattering this man's bones and body to create the symbol of the human heart which has been the symbol of love since the 12th century or whatever. I did not research that, if you can tell. <laughs> it's the most beautiful <laughs> thing. And then on top of everything else, he takes this human heart that he's made out of his pain and puts it in the one place he knows that Will will go look for him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is like the height of romance, right? Mm. It's the most romantic gesture. And it's romance by Hannibal. It's what we're all here for. What we're all here for. <laughs> yeah. It's what we're all here for. And to end mm. on that image, of this poor, this poor kid. Poor kid. <laughs> oh man, bless his heart. Yeah. Bent into this heart. <laughs> bleeding, actually bleeding heart onto mm -hmm. the floor of this chapel. Oh. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Also that it's like, it mimics the, the three of swords tarot. It totally does. Which is all about like betrayal, heartbreak. Like, heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's and a it's lot also, of like and that messaging card, going on there. Yeah. That card in so many tarot decks is almost always depicted as swords going through a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what it feels like. <sighs> and you have to love that deeply to feel that, that level of pain. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back Beautiful. to- Hannibal teaching yeah. a lesson through the whole, you know, he's teaching a yeah. lesson. He's teaching about Dante's Inferno, um, but he's teaching Bedelia a lesson. He's teaching, mm -hmm. he's teaching everybody a lesson about Judas' betrayal, where he thinks things will end up. Mm -hmm. Totally. All right. Well, I think that brings us certainly not to the last thing we could discuss about this episode, because I think we could just keep going and going and going. Um, but we are going to uh, wrap things up. And in doing so, I'm going to turn it over to Philip, who uh, I'm going to ask if he's been inspired by this episode to recommend something else that he loves and that other people might love as well. Well, yes, I have, Claire. Um, I would say check out uh, Federico Fellini's uh, La Dolce Vita 
which uh, Hannibal takes on a very Marcello Mastroianni uh, flair in this episode. And of course, Fellini is very romantic, and oh, yes. wonderful, very European. Um, and I would also say, check out, uh, I don't know, Hannibal in that uh, motorcycle outfit got me thinking of an anime called the Rarara. It's D-U-R-A-R-A-R-A. Um, I think there's only two seasons, but it's very uh, mystical realism in Japan, Ooh. a bunch of like disparate characters, their storylines interweave. And it's really, I've only watched the first season and I'm excited to see the second because it's really good. So those are my two recommendations. Excellent. Beautiful. Lovely. New episodes of Murder Husbands release every Tuesday. Next up will be episode two of season three, Primavera. You can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. Until next time, bon appetito. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.